This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to Ion Foxborough. I'm Chris Mason here with Mark Daniels. Merry Christmas. Mark, how you doing? Good, man. I'm still tired from Christmas. Still tired from watching the Patriots um, you know, pull off an up- upset win. But yeah, it's, we're rolling into the new year here. Yeah, so I think one thing became very, very clear on Christmas Eve, and that's the Patriots aren't tanking. They're still playing hard, and they're absolutely playing to win. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone ever thought Bill Belichick, a Bill Belichick-led team, would would tank or purposely lose games. And, you know, another example I think it's also an example of how, you know, Bill has done a good job this year of keeping players focused. You know, I mean, even think about like who they were missing in Denver. I mean, Cole Strange is on the IR. You know, you don't have a handful of veteran receivers. Obviously, Kendrick's been out. Juju's out. Hunter Henry didn't play on defense. You didn't have Jabril Peppers. And it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a consistent, like, four-quarter effort. I thought, you know, the the performances really sort of fluctuated quarter to quarter in that game. It was really interesting to see the Patriots score 20 in the third, and then, you know, the Broncos score 16 straight in the fourth to tie it up. But, you know, at the end of the day, they've, you're, they're fighting. You're absolutely right, Chris. They're, they're fighting. They're giving themselves a chance to win. And we'll see if what that means for the future, because I'll be honest, Chris, one of my bigger take, my biggest takeaway from this is it was a great win for the group of guys on this team. It is an awful win maybe a franchise altering win for the Patriots because it drops them from the number two pick to the number four, Chris, number four pick, Chris. And man, I'll be honest at this rate, looking at the schedules for the top four teams, I don't see the Patriots moving up to the top three anymore. Yeah. That win was kind of like, you know, that third dessert that you have at the holidays where it's like, Oh, it's great in the short term, but long-term really not what you're looking for. And yeah, they're basically out of that, franchise quarterback range where I don't know Jalen Jaden Daniels keeps going up draft boards but I think you're probably reaching for him when he wasn't like even seen as a first round pick coming into this draft coming into the season and now people are looking at taking him number four overall you know when guys rise like that a lot of time it's like is that just a product the team's wanting there to be another franchise quarterback there or what so yeah I think they're out of the running for Drake May out of the running for Caleb Williams and like long term it the win did set you back a little in Denver and you look at who the teams in front of them, like, for example, they've essentially been leapfrogged by the Washington Commanders. Washington and Patriots both have four wins. Washington, though, finishes the season with the 49ers and Cowboys. Like, they're not winning another game. Meanwhile, the Patriots have the Bills, who I think they'll lose to, but then the Jets, who honestly, I think I think they beat. And then you have the Arizona Cardinals, who have three wins, but they finish the season against the Eagles and the Seahawks. They're not winning those. And then you have the Panthers, who have the top spot and they finished with the Jaguars and Bucks. So I see the Patriots are possibly finishing this game this year with five wins. We'll put them somewhere what I think will be the five and seven range. And in your records, it's fascinating because they went from a spot where you're like, all right, they can get a top two blue chip quarterback prospect to a spot. You they might be looking at the top tackle, which is completely, completely different. Yeah. And like a team like the commanders too. I think his it's increasingly clear that Sam Howell's not the guy. So they're going to be in the quarterback market, right? Where some of these teams, it was like, Oh, are they going to stick with so-and-so? And like, I don't think Arizona is going to stick with Kyler Murray long-term. I think they're going to want a quarterback too. So it's not just that you're getting leapfrog, but it's the teams leapfrogging. You are quarterback needy teams. And I, so I, and I wanted to jump in real quick. So I, I looked up 
you know, the most passing yards in NFL history, really basic metric here. Top 20 guys, 14 of them have been drafted in the first round. 10, 10 of the top 20. So 50% of the quarterbacks who make up the top 20, you know, career passing leaders were top five picks. And the bulk of them were number one overall picks. So looking at trying to find that next guy, what NFL history tells us, it's a lot easier when you draft high because out of the top 20 passers all time, there were only four drafted after round one. There was one in the second round. It is Drew Brees. I'm sorry, there's two. It's Drew Brees and Brett Favre. The only second rounders who are in the top 20 in passing yards, NFL history. After that, you get Frank Tarkenton, Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady. It's really, and the point I'm making is, it's really hard to find a game-changing franchise quarterback out of that first round, out of the top five. So for the Patriots, if I'm them, and this is, and we'll talk about this all offseason, if I'm them, I get super aggressive in the draft, and I actually, I try to work my way up and, in, in trade because I, I think well, we need to get into Bailey Zappi here. And I guess the best thing that could happen to the Patriots is that Bailey Zappi turns into a franchise quarterback and he's the guy, but we can get into that. But I think the easiest path to relevancy is what I'm trying to say, draft a quarterback high. And that's, that's you know, we'll see if that even happens now. Let's start the offseason argument now because I don't think trading up is a good idea. Uh, I think there are too many needs on this offense now and you can't be giving away future first round picks. I don't think this is going to be a one-year turnaround where like this time next year, the Patriots are, you know, a, a contender. I think this is going to take a few years and you're going to need those first round picks. I wouldn't move up. I just think you've got some bad luck now. And honestly, taking that tackle might be the best move. Fan base is going to hate it, but you know, it's another one of those like short-term, short-term it's going to hurt. Long-term it's going to be for the benefit. And, and I also guess it depends about Jaden Daniels. Like, Albert Breer had this report over the weekend that there are certain teams who now rank Jaden Daniels over Drake May, and, and that honestly made me real interested. Like, all right, if the Pats are sitting there at four, five, six, or seven, and Jaden Daniels is one of the top players, maybe that is an option. Maybe they, they walk away from the draft with the Heisman Trophy winner and they get their guy anyways. But they have to really determine how better Jaden Daniels is than the next crop of guys which is what well, we're talking JJ McCarthy and, and Bo Nix and, and the, the left-handed from Washington, whose name's Penix. escaping me right now. Yeah. Pen, Max, yeah. So you make, you make a really good point, which my point for why they should move on from Bill Belichick is not that Bill is a bad coach. As we've seen, he's a good coach. My thing is I think they need to move on with a young quarterback rebuild. And I want a younger coach as opposed to a 72 year old future hall of famer. But I, I don't, I don't, completely disagree with your, what you're saying they need more draft assets not less i just think what the first thing they should do this offseason is try to find the franchise guy and even though it would hurt to give up a second round pick or another first round pick if that guy turns out to be you know patrick mahomes cj stroud one of the top guys honestly in the end i think it'll be worth it even if it sets your complete rebuild back yeah i just don't i, I i'm not sold on it but I mean, while we're talking about franchise quarterbacks, Bailey Zappi. <laughs> it's interesting where Zappi has genuinely played well and I think exceeded all expectations since getting the starting job. You know, he's run with that. He won at Pittsburgh and at Denver, two places that, you know, historically aren't easy to win. But both of those teams, I think, were kind of paper tigers where you know, I don't think either is terribly good. I think we're going to learn a lot about Bailey Zappi in these final two games where he's going to go to Buffalo, play like a good Bills team with all this incentive in the world. 
and then finish out against a Jets defense that's been really good, you know, provided they're still actually trying and playing hard in that final game. Mark, what do you make of where Bailey Zappi's at right now? He's he's definitely surpassed some expectations. And, and I'll be honest, I think the expectations were low. Mac Jones was, you know, playing so bad. And, and Mac Jones bottomed out in front of everyone. I mean, he had some horrific, horrific interceptions. And it got so poor with him that I think average to sometimes above average quarterback play makes it maybe seem a little bit better than it is. I think Bailey Zappi is a gamer. He's insanely confident. The way he operates in the pocket itself is impressive because we saw someone crumble in the pocket. Yeah, um, like but literally. We do, we do have, we, you know, we, we do have a relatively large sample size, even though people say, well, he's only started four games. Well, over the last two years, we've seen him play in 12 games, six starts. He has 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions. You know, you know what I mean? Like Bailey Zappi for me is a, is such a gamer that I think he makes a, for a great backup quarterback. There are moments you say, man, this kid has it. But the truth is he has yet to put together a full game. And that was even the case in Denver. Like he was yeah. on the money in the third quarter. He was great. In the fourth quarter, prior to the game-winning drive, he was not great. The offense went three and out three times in a row while Denver came back. And in the first half, the offense was just a bit stagnant. And with, with Zappi, I thought one of the best things did was not turn over the ball other than the yeah. strip sack, which you don't put on him. But for for me, with when it comes to Bailey Zappi, I, I like him as a backup quarterback. I, I really do. And, and I think he'll be a you know kind of a spot starter in the NFL going here. I just don't see him having that high upside. You know? Yeah, um, I, I think we're seeing him hit his ceiling right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think he's going to get much better than this. And it's like you said, it's much better than what we were seeing for most of the season when Mac was struggling. But I think that we're just like seeing competent quarterback play for the first time in a while. And uh, there are some in the fan base that are overrating that immediately. I would say there, there are some in the fan base and there's some, you know, media wise, too, who sort of overrate it. And I also think it's it's worth pointing out who the Denver Broncos are defensively. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we left this game and Broncos are currently ranked. 30th in the NFL in yards allowed, 30th. They are 31st in run defense, 24th in passing defense. So Bailey Zappi went out. He played a really nice game, had the first fourth quarter comeback of his career. He did it against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. You know what I mean? And, and to your yeah. point, Chris, if he can go out in Buffalo against a good team, hey, man, then you're proving something. And, and then in the regular season finale, don't get me wrong, it's the Jets. The Jets have a great defense. Yep. Their, their defense is tough. So you're right. We're going to learn a lot about Bailey Zappi, but I don't. I don't think people should overrate what a quarterback does against a you know a bottom you know NFL defense. You know what I mean? Like like great right. on the road, tough place to play. Give him all the props in the world. He has surpassed expectations. But I'm not saying hey, just draft draft a tackle, build around Bailey Zappi. That is no. I don't think anyone in the world should say that. Right. And ultimately, I mean, they finished with 26 points, but seven of those were just a gift raft touchdown on special teams. So that inflated that, too. It looks a little better in the end. Really good third quarter. But yeah, it's still still haven't seen the full 60 minutes from him. And, and and although, you know, Bailey, a young player, he 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 played well. But what really opened my eyes were two other young players, Chris. And another thing I thought I had coming out of this game were, all right, who's going to help the Patriots in the future? Who can they build around? Right. Because I think. Over the last month or so, we've we've said one name, Christian Gonzalez. Hey, we know Christian Gonzalez will be here. But, man, Christian Barmore, 
three sacks in the third quarter, eight and a half sacks this season. My man, Christian Barmore, is a blue chip building block. I want him for the long term. I came away from this game saying, one, the Patriots have Christian Gonzalez and Christian Barmore for their defense for the foreseeable future. They got to lock that guy up. But two, Demario Douglas, dude. So Demario Douglas, so I want to throw some stats away really quick. Really quick. Demario Douglas is having one of the best seasons for a rookie receiver in Patriots franchise history, but really more so under Bill Belichick. So he surpassed Deion Branch to have the most receptions for a rookie receiver in the Belichick era. And he is two yards away from, or three yards away from surpassing Aaron Dobson's rookie receiver receiving record under Belichick. It's under Belichick, so it's not, you know. But right now, he is, I have him, he is 12th in Patriot franchise history for a rookie pass catcher. I mean, six-round pick, slot receiver from Liberty. I think Demario Douglas is another guy that I see here around in the future. And I think that's another thing that has sort of emerged down the stretch. Like, all right, Christian Gonzalez, we got a small sample size, five games, but he looked he looked the part like a number one, a legit number one cornerback. Christian Barmore, a game-wrecking defensive tackle. And then I think on top of that, you do have at least a receiver to pair with somebody, whoever's a quarterback. Right. And I think those Pop Douglas numbers are more impressive when you consider the quarterback play that he's done that with. You know, it's like almost everybody else in the Belichick era had Tom Brady at quarterback, you know, making everybody look better. Douglas has done this with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, and he's missed time with multiple concussions this year on top of that. Where little thing that I loved in this game was when he got popped early on, just jumped up immediately, signaled first down, like kept everything going. And it's like, okay, this guy's a gamer. You know, he wants, he wants to be in there. He wants to play and he wants to show you that, you know, he can take a hit, get up and keep moving on. And then he delivered the game that he did. So yeah, I'd agree with you that he's definitely a building block moving forward. I think Barmore, you know, he's finally realizing the potential. We've seen the flashes of potential in the first two years. And it's like, this guy could be a game wrecker on Christmas Eve. He wrecked that game. Like he was the game wrecker and it flies under the radar, but he's gotten so much better against the run this year too, where he was right at the center of that fourth down stop early in the game. You know, he was holding up against the right. run. And that's that's a spot where they would have pulled him off the field, I think, in the first two seasons. But he's staying out there. No, 100%. Like, as you said, the, the open, it was like, it was the strip sack, first snap of the game. The Broncos are on the six-yard line. They go for it. It's like fourth and two, a fourth and goal on yeah. the two. Christian Barmore stops Javante Williams on, on the one-yard line. And then he goes, I don't want to say he had two tackles for loss. Three sacks. And even towards the end of the game, he had like a big holding penalty too. Yep. So they, they essentially, he was unblockable. And it's, it's been interesting, I think, from our perspective, just sort of see that development. As you said, like all of a sudden, he's he's solid against the run. And I remember talking to him. I think it was in the locker room in Miami when he he, he started playing really well. And he said he noticed for the first time that they were, player team started to chip him at the line. Like he was, he was suddenly starting to get that respect for he was getting more attention. So like this, the attention on Christian happened a while ago and he's still putting up numbers like that. I mean, it's, it's really, really impressive. Right. And you don't see a ton of like chipping on interior defensive guys. That's generally no. saved for the really special guys where edge rushers get chipped all the time. But when you're a defensive tackle getting chips, it's like, okay, you're a dude. A hundred percent. So, you know, I think, you know, if you try to look at some positives, because obviously the, the Patriots won. And I think when you when you do win a game like that, it, it helps the younger players sort of it shows them what you need to do on the road in a tough environment. So there are some positives. Yeah. You know, um, I also think a thing that's interesting to me with this team going forward is their kicking position. Um, Chad, Chad Ryland, Chris, you know, having a game winning field goal was just really interesting and poetic to a certain degree, because. In that game, we saw him miss 
really bad on a field yeah. goal. And then he goes, the next kick was an extra point attempt, which he missed. It was Chad Rowland's first miss extra point. And as a lot of people know, we're coming out of this game where I'll, I'll say this, Chad Rowland and Patriots special teamers were upset because the balls were not inflated properly against the Chiefs. And Chad Rowland missed a field goal attempt against the Chiefs. And from my understanding, a lot of Patriots special teamers blamed the deflated ball on for the reason Chad missed. So to see him go to Denver, elevation, he can kick yep. it a mile. I think Mike Reese said he kicked a 61-yard field goal in warm-ups. To see him miss two kicks, Chris, I was like, oh, man, th this guy has completely crumbled. The Patriots need a new kicker ASAP. And then to see him kick the game-winning field goal, I felt good about him. But I have no idea what is going to happen to Chad Ryland after this. You know, these next two games – you know, even even next year, I don't even know if he's here next year at this point. Yeah, it's interesting where if he doesn't like get that opportunity to make that kick at the end of the game, I don't know if he's on the team moving forward, you know, with the two more misses. Bill's cussing on the sideline after the second one, right? He's missed, I think it was seven inside of 50, six or seven inside of 50 this year. Just has not been reliable. But then it's funny, the second that he trotted out for a 56-yarder, it was like, he's totally going to hit it, right? Like, did you feel the same way where it's like, he's going to drill this thing just because that's the way this, yeah. like, that game had been going. That's the way football works sometimes where you're like, he's totally going to nail this. And Chad Ryland is a guy, I mean, the Patriots really, really liked him. I mean, he's the, he's the highest kicker drafted in the Bill Belichick era. You know, fourth round, 112th overall. The Patriots kept him over Nick Folk, which really looks like a massive, massive mistake. But the thing I like about Chad is that he has a he has a monster leg. His his kicking power is really high. I, I compare him to a player in Madden who's like a 99 kick power, but his accuracy is at 70. So he's an interesting kick, kicking prospect. But in terms of like people who will be here in the future, the Patriots are going to need to bring in like a veteran kicker kicker to have a kicking competition next offseason, regardless of who the head coach and GM will be. That Madden kicker you described is just like the exact opposite of Nick Folk, you know, where it was like the accuracy is a 99 and the power is a 70. And it feels like Bill just kind of got sick of that and was like, I'm going to do the exact opposite and brought Ryland in. Yeah. Uh, while on the topic of the kicking game, one building block we missed, Bryce Berenger. <laughs> like throw him in the throw him in the building blocks. <laughs> oh, he, Bryce Berenger is here for the long haul, man. He's, he's the only he's the only Patriot who has a chance of being a pro bowler this year, which really tells you everything you need to know. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Going into the last week, I thought he was the only Patriot who had a chance to be a pro bowler. But now I'd argue for Christian Barmore. I mean, I think clearly Christian Barmore will probably get some type of maybe Pro Bowl honors. I don't know, all pro honors. He's he's that good. And then Bryce Barings or your your punter, maybe he'll he'll sneak in as well. Yeah, I'd throw Jabril Peppers into that conversation too. But that's just such like a high profile position that people look at INT numbers all the time and he yeah. doesn't have a ton of those. But it's like if you're actually sitting down and watching the games, you know how good Jabril has been. All right, time for gold stars, but we're gonna make this a non-Christian Barmore division because he so obviously would have like the number one star, the number two star, and the number three star from this game because he was that good. So, Mark, non-Christian Barmore division, who are you going to go with? I'm going to go with Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson is quietly having one of the best NFL seasons of his career. He, he's a guy who the Patriots traded for two years ago. He didn't play much last year, more so special teams. Right now, he has a career-high three sacks, and you might be saying, that's not a lot, but those three sacks have come in the last three games. Um, Mac Wilson has really started to turn it on. He's extremely athletic, Chris. He had, I think he's a guy Bill Belichick once called the fastest linebacker in, in the NFL. He just he just never really put it together, but we're seeing it. He's putting it together in, in pass coverage and with a pass rush. I have to give I have to give props to Mac Wilson. He's a really good dude and he's he's playing well. 
He's also just making himself a ton of money down the stretch here where he's playing really well. And I think he's one of those players where it'd be really easy to fall in love with like his combine numbers and like the raw ability, but he hasn't had a ton of tape to back it up. These last few games, you know, when he goes into free agency again, the tape is there. He's going to be able to show that. So I think he's making himself a boatload of money down the stretch. Yeah. For my gold star, I'm going to go Devontae Parker. You know, I think this is, this was a game where you saw, you know, what Belichick sees in Parker and why he likes him so much, where he has explosive play early. But then on that last drive, you know, it was like Belichick wanted to play for overtime. He gave Zappi one throw and he found Parker. I think those two have a like pretty good connection going. And that catch on the game winning drive was huge. So I'm going to go to. You're, yeah. you're, you're not you're not wrong about the good connection. So under Mac Jones this year, Devontae Parker's high was 57 yards against Miami. Um, he never eclipsed the 50 yard mark again under Mac Jones. He has played now. He's played only three games for Bailey Zappi. Yep. He's eclipsed 60 yards twice. So, yes, uh, Devontae Parker is clearly a Bailey Zappi fan, and Bailey Zappi is a fan of Devontae Parker, and it's it's shown up, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it's it's interesting because I think Parker's skill set and with Zappi's sort of mindset really work well together. Agreed. Zappi, he's not exactly what I would call, like, an accurate thrower, but he's just a gunslinger. He's like, you know what? Yeah. He's one-on-one -on -one with my guy. I'm just going to throw it to him, and that works good with a jump ball X receiver like Parker. So, yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been interesting to see. All right. Thanks for following along. We'll catch you guys further on down the trail. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live.